is a story. A story about an event. An event that changed our world. This story begins as most do, with a dream. And as the dream grew, so did the legends. Legends are larger than life giants. And warriors who brought the world to their feet. Legends of men made from iron. And others who braved ladders that reached the sky. Stories of the dead rising. And fearless leaders who are mightier than you could ever imagine. A place where fire touched the stars. And millions came together. All for one glorious night. And with these moments, frozen in time, the world wonders, what's next? Now, on this worldwide stage, you ready? in this modern-day Colosseum, Let's go. the journey begins For those of you that want to, know what we're all about. to immortality. Mania. My name is Rob, along with Zach. Hey, yo. Episode 32. WrestleMania 32 time. Here the on biggest the biggest WrestleMania ever. Wait, did they already use that? Uh, well, I'm calling it that because it has the most people. Ah, oh, fair enough. That's fair. They did have <coughs> 100,000 people, allegedly. More I like. think they were legitimately over the previous record, though, of 92,000. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So, WrestleMania 32 came to us from Dallas, Texas, AT&T Stadium. The newly built AT&T Stadium. Yes, and there were a lot of problems with... Uh, the early part of the show, like uh, the kickoff and stuff like that. Go on. 
Well, they had this fancy new uh, scan system for your ticket. So the, the idea was they would scan your ticket, they would tell you what section you were in, and then they would lead you there. Um, the internet died at the stadium, and so the fancy new thing didn't work in parts of the stadium. It worked in other parts. Mm -hmm. So there were people who were outside in the sweltering Texas heat for like three or four hours waiting to get inside. So did they not know where they were sitting? Like they didn't get told where it was at? Until no, they it was the people wouldn't let them into the stadium until the scan thing. Ah, because they couldn't verify one of the right. They yeah. couldn't verify that the ticket was real. Therefore, they couldn't because you know people are going yeah, to obviously try to sneak. Yeah. yeah, try to sneak into WrestleMania. I yes. I realize I sound sarcastic, I'm, but I am being serious. Um, but um, yeah. So that was the the kerfuffle like uh some very i don't know internet famous people on youtube were complaining about that oh no not youtubers complaining not yeah, that you know, like uh the what culture people who are now the cultaholic people yeah. were there and uh little karibo and uh team four star were there if you're into the anime abridged series thing. Hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so what were your re recollections leading up to this WrestleMania? What do you remember kind of going into WrestleMania 32? Uh, I remember that I was like, Oh, it's WrestleMania season. I'm going to watch WrestleMania. Cause at this point I had stopped watching raw <laughs> and SmackDown, uh, on a, a weekly basis. Um, but there were a lot of people that I was excited to see in a WWE ring because now we're in the uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, indie wrestler boom of WWE. So there were people that I was excited to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you never got to see the uh, Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon lockbox angle. I mean, I've seen it since then, but I didn't, like, I've seen, like, clips, but I haven't, I didn't watch it live, no. Yeah, it was weird. So, we'll get into it in the match, but it was one of the things that we never had a payoff. That's true, we never did get a payoff. Although we should mention, I mean, I guess we did, Shane McMahon returned to the company, um, and uh, he had been off for... Seven years. Six seven years yep uh working for a chinese pay-per-view company yeah it was a broadband company i thought the same thing it was actually a broadband company he helped find or found oh. excuse me and i don't understand like why china like it's i mean maybe he's like i don't know you know what i mean well i think i think when he went like in 20 2010 uh 2010 China was a or less... 2009, sorry. It's 2009. Oh, yeah. Okay, so 2009. China was certainly, like, a well-developed country, but, like, their broadband and internet stuff probably wasn't up to the level that it was in the United States and wasn't great in 2009. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> but, I, I don't know, yeah. You know, probably it's like, oh, this is going to be an emerging market. We should get in on the ground floor. Maybe. I would just think the state 
would just be like, hey, here's some free broadband. We're going to learn everything about you. Don't search for Tiananmen Square. <laughs> well, I like, yes, but also like just because they have it in like the cities and stuff like that. I, you know, my understanding is a lot of the broadband connections on places like that may be satellite. And so maybe with something like that, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, this, this whole era of WrestleManias, it always seemed like the builds were shit and everyone was like kind of dreading WrestleMania, but then they'd come out and they'd be like, yeah, it wasn't so bad. I mean, the shows generally have, were okay. I think a lot of people were scared with WrestleMania, uh, 31 cause it seemed like a lot of people were getting hurt. And then right around this time as well, there was a slew of people getting injured. Um, like this Seth Rollins yeah. isn't back and stuff like that. Um, this is also uh, NXT picking up steam. If not, like NXT maybe at its peak. Well, not quite its peak, but it's definitely trending up. It's not like NXT is not like, oh, yeah, NXT, oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, no, I now think... we're getting into like, it was funny seeing Baron Corbin. I forgot he had long hair. Well... He was trying to. He was still very bald. Mm, pretty long. Well, but it was it was long in the back. Yeah, that's not true. on top. That's true. I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't look at top. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and this was the Women's Revolution year. Yes, they finally got rid of the Divas title. And on this show, they were going to crown the first women's championship. Yes. You know, the first. Not that there was a women's championship not even five years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. The MSG microphone comes down, and at WrestleMania 1 ticket is shown. Being brought to you by Titan Sports, Inc., Legends are made, and the world wonders, what's next? WrestleMania Star know. is brought to you by the WWE Network. The stadium is already decked out with ladders around the ring, and we kick off with Dolph Ziggler's music, Michael Cole, JBL, and Byron Saxton are your commentators for the night. And goddamn, I want to throw JBL across the room. Because JBL's night consisted of screaming at Byron Saxton or not knowing if he was a heel or a babyface. Well, who can blame him for yelling at Byron Saxton? Byron Saxton is essentially a charisma vacuum uh, who wasn't a very good wrestler and isn't a very good commentator either. Yeah, but still, it it got grating after a while. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Byron would be like, oh, that's a great move. Shut up, Saxton! Enjoy the match, man! Okay, great. You don't like Byron Saxton. Shut the fuck up. We start off with the Intercontinental Championship ladder match. Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz versus Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn making his debut. Versus Stardust versus Sin Cara versus Zack Ryder. Also making his debut. And the IC champion making his debut, Kevin Owens. So a lot of uh, former NXT talent. 
Yes, the night before at the NXT TakeOver, Sami Zayn had had a bonkers match with debuting Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, I know that we don't do the NXT TakeOvers and stuff like that, but, like, that match was awesome. Star-making performance for <laughs> Nakamura to really get him over with the NXT fans, and then Sami getting a really good, good emotional goodbye as well. Yes. It's a very good, very good match. So there's a weird audio edit during the entrance of The Miz where Cole is saying something and then all of a sudden the sentence just randomly ends and then it says, by The Miz. <laughs> and I was like, what? In the I had to go back three times and be like, what? They literally just chopped off his audio and just typed and just put in, by The Miz. Like, no, that was really, really uh, noticeable. I watched the Blu-ray edition. Yeah, I I don't remember what would have been said there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. It was probably nothing important, but something. Sammy is super over. So is Zack Ryder and Kevin Owens. Sammy, Zack, and Kevin are all having their WrestleMania debut, as I stated. They all go through the interna uh, international commentators, and when they get to Japan, Funaki's doing commentary, and JBO does his best indeed impression. I was like, Jesus Christ, JBO, that was like 10 years ago. Well, I mean, he's still, even in Japanese, is saying that he's SmackDown's number one announcer. He's your number one commentator. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> Owens and Zane go at each other with punches, and the crowd goes nuts. And it's just indie loved, punches. Yeah, I always loved when they did that spot. I remember the first time I ever saw it, it was El Generico versus Kevin uh, Steen um, for the PWG title at Steen Wolf. Um, and them doing that pun those punches, it, it looks great. It looks like they're actually having like a hockey fight, which is great. I love it. I think it's like they just don't do any damage to each other. Well, yes, because they keep on slugging it. Um, but it's it it's supposed to mimic that, I think. I don't know. Or like uh, the Fry Takiyama punches ah. where they just like and then beat the crap out of each other. Uh, so it's quickly broken up with the ladder to the back of Zane. Stardust is wearing black and polka dot and yellow polka dots with a big star as Dusty Rhodes passed away the year before on June 15th, 2015. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, sad times. Yeah. A blue thunderbomb after ladder by Zane. Zane is in back body drop by Owens into a ladder. Zack Ryder sets up a ladder to a huge woo-woo chant breaks out. But the ladder is tipped over by Stardust. Sami Zayn does a somersault sent on through the open ladder uh, onto several wrestlers and then does his DDT through the ring post. What's that called? It's he, a, it's, well, it's a tornado DV, uh, DDT that he just happens to do through the, over the ring posts. It's a great move that he doesn't do very often anymore. Yeah, I've noticed. Or at least I never hear about it when I listen to the review. Sami Zayn does a... I already said that. Uh, okay, so he does his thing to Owens. Sammy then is the only one in the ring, so he climbs the ladder. But he is stopped by Sin Cara with boost from the crowd. The nobody ladder, wants Sin Cara to win. No, nobody. 
The ladder then is pushed over, but Sankara springboards off the top rope onto a pile of wrestlers on the floor. That was pretty cool. Ziggler gets his own... We should, s- go ahead. We should mention that this is Sankara 2. Electric Boogaloo, yes. Instead of... Not Mystico. Origin- yeah, well, it it is Mystico, but not the Mystico that you're thinking of. Oh, I thought they this both- was... Uh, Who's it from Hunico or whatever? Well, it is Hunico, but uh, the the joke is is that um, he was originally called Mystico, and then the other Mystico became a big star in Mexico, so he ended up changing his name to like Equinox on the indie on the indie scene. Hmm. Yeah. So they were both Mystico at one point. They were both Sin Cara. <laughs> Hell yeah! Like they're. Their careers are just like weirdly intertwined. This is non bocce Sinkara. Non bocce Sinkara. Bird tattoo Sinkara. There you go. Uh, Zolf Zinger is his own super kick party. He super kicks everyone in the ring and then tunes up the band and knocks out Zack Ryder. Stardust goes under the ring and pulls out a polka dotted ladder. The Starbird XO2. And knocks everybody out with it. Doing the Terry Funk spot with the ladder around his head. Whirly bird. The whirly bird. A ladder is bridged between the ring and the barricade. Sankara is at the top of the ladder. But instead of getting the title, he turns around and jumps off and smashes Stardust through the ladder. Which bends horribly. The Miz climbs the top of the ladder. But faces backwards from the other side. Zack's rider runs up the ladder, pushes the Miz off to win the Intercontinental Championship at 15 minutes and 22 seconds. What were your thoughts on the match? Uh, I think that this match kind of takes the place of the uh, Money in the Bank, Money in the bank ladder match. Uh, you know, high high. High spots and power bombs and all sorts of other great things. Yeah, I I can't. I mean, I can't complain. It's probably like one of the better matches on the show. Yeah, I agree. I said great opening match. It was great to see Zack Ryder win the big one. It was sad he lost it only twenty four hours later. Back to the Miz. Yes, Zack's father runs in and gives him a hug. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it seems weird that we're going to get to these... Uh, the 30 WrestleManias are, like, dad-centric because... Yeah, The Miz. You know, the Miz's dad shows up. Like, all think, sorts of other things. I think, things. Uh, what was it, Randy Orton's dad or... He's Randy know. Orton's dad. Or, or not or Randy Orton's dad. I'm sorry. Who am I thinking? Um, I don't know. There was another. I think, no, I think it was Edge's dad. Edge's Someone, house? I think it was like Randy Orton went to Edge's house and like broke in and I don't oh. fucking know. I don't remember. I'm probably thinking the wrong pay-per-view Maybe. or something. I don't remember. Who, who the fuck cares? Next up, we have Chris I'm... Jericho versus AJ Styles. Yes. So AJ Styles made his WWE debut at the Royal Rumble. And I remember the internet being pissed because instead of showing AJ Styles, they just showed Roman Reigns yes. looking very confused. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they flubbed that horribly. I remember watching that live. <laughs> and I have to say that um, AJ Styles' uh, theme song 
I, I don't really like it very much. I made my wife, because she likes that song. And I was mm-hmm. like, go listen to his TNA one. And she's like, Get oh. ready to fly. Yes. I am, I am. Yes. He then I beat am, Chris Jericho at his Raw debut. They then became friends and became a tag team called Y2AJ. And they came yeah. out with a shirt that looked like cum. What is with AJ Styles and having those T-shirts? I, I, I don't know. He's super because Christian. he had because he had the same thing in Impact. And yes, he did. Then Jericho turned on AJ because the fans like AJ more than him. So AJ's response is to call Chris Jericho a Y two jackass. That's why this match exists. Fuck. So essentially they essentially they took a year long storyline and compressed it down to like two months and this is what we got. Yes. So Jago gets a super huge fireworks display. Very fast, early. Each person does a move, the other person does it, trying to one up each other. Uh Jericho gets a wall, so Jericho in the middle of the ring, but he's able to get to the ropes. A Pele kick gets turned into another Walls of Jericho. Styles reverses it. After getting the uh, drug back in the middle of the ring, AJ is able to apply a calf crusher. Then Jericho is put into the clash, uh, into the Styles clash, but they seem to mess it up where AJ just ends up on the apron and it goes for a phenomenal forearm, but Jericho turns it into a code breaker. Jericho takes forever to make the pin, so then he only gets a two count. Jericho goes into shock, starts paintbrushing the head of AJ Styles, yelling at him to stay down. Jericho signals for the uh, Styles Clash. While he's setting up the Styles Clash, though, AJ rolls it in, rolls him up, and gets a two count. Styles hits a Styles Clash for a near fall. Uh, knees to the midsection of Jericho after a lion salt allows uh, Styles to hit a springboard 180. For another fear, near fall, uh, then it hits a phenomenal forearm, but Jericho hits a code breaker out of midair uh, to get the pinfall at 16 minutes and 59 seconds. My notes were thus. For two big names on paper, you would think this match had been amazing. I hated it. All they did was big move, walk around, lay there in disbelief, or something, and then hit another big move. There was literally no storytelling in this match. It was just two guys out there doing moves. Both Chris Jericho and AJ Styles have had unforgettable matches in the past. They've both been around for years and years and years, and you'd think they'd be able to get a great match out of each other. But in my opinion, this match was terrible. I, I I don't want to say that I necessarily disagree. Um, I thought the match was fine. I don't think it's anything like it's it's not in like the echelon of great matches that either man have had. And especially this was disappointing because when you think of AJ Styles, you were you think of all of all of his like amazing matches and impact, and mm-hmm. then you remember and all of his New Japan stuff. New Japan. And his style when he cha- went to New Japan, like, really changed a whole lot. He was doing, like, a lot more uh, big power moves, like power bombs and stuff like that. Like, he was a badass in New Japan. And uh, 
Yeah, no. Early WWE AJ Styles was kind of disappointing. Um, I think he started to get much better after this. Um, because for some reason, like the next night, he became the number one contender for the WWE Championship and went on to have like two matches with Roman Reigns, which were both really good. Um, but I yeah. just was just no. like, what the fuck? Like, they'd be like, they'd hit one or two moves and then just lay there, and then hit one or two moves and just lay there. And then Jericho would be like, oh, I didn't pin him. Oh my god, what do I need to do? Oh, I'm gonna argue with the ref. I'm gonna pull my hair. I'm gonna look in disbelief. And then he'll get a move on him. And then they'll sit there and lay again. And I'm just like, what the fuck? These two men have had amazing matches, and why the fuck are they stinking up the joint? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one of them wasn't in like shape or something because like maybe I, yeah i maybe i can't remember at this point in time whether like jericho was in the company or was like no he was there or just like going in and out you know that sort yeah. of thing no he was still there because we haven't even got to the to the kevin owens and stuff yet kevin owens i think is next year well yeah well kevin owens is next year and I remember Chris Jericho being there for like an entire year doing stuff with KO, which was unusual at the time because he kept on like coming in and out. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So celebrities are shown ringside. Yawn. Who gives a fuck? It's literally well, I, I mean, I didn't care. Stephen Amell is probably somebody we should mention because eh, we'll get to him eventually in a couple episodes. Uh, I, he didn't have a he didn't have a WrestleMania match. He had a SummerSlam match. Oh, okay, my bad. But he he feuded with uh, Stardust and uh, teamed with uh, Neville to fight uh, Stardust and Wade Barrett at a SummerSlam, and then Stephen Amell went on to have a match at All Out. Yes, he sure did. Yes. Or all in, one of the two. All in, that's what it was. Yeah, all in with uh, Chris Daniels. Yes, Maria Menounos is backstage and introduces Zack Ryder. Ryder says that he's a, this was the greatest moment of his life. He says he saw that WrestleMania match between HBK and Razor Ramon that he was there, and he got to hold the IC title. Well, now he's gonna go make he's gonna go find Razor in the back and have him hold his IC title, and that he's lived his dream. You know, you want to know a scary thing? Well, not necessarily a scary thing, but a strange thing. What's that? If if Zack Ryder were to come back to the WWE and win the WWE or the Universal Championship, he would be a Grand Slam champion. Oh, wow. Because he's been icy United States tag team, so he only has to win a world title to be either be a triple crown and a grand slam champion (laughs) in uh, WWE. Yeah. Well, there you go. A life-size box of bootios is on the stage. This was the era of the new day. There were only two time tag team champions. This was trumpet new day and sexy hips, biggie new day. Well, I think they're all still trombone and sexy hips and stuff like that. Mm, Still. No, they're broken up. To a degree. 
Who would agree? I mean, Big E is yeah. champion right now. They all now. just kind of, yeah. It seems like they've never been able to pull the trigger. Uh, so the Bootyos is on stage. It tips over. And out comes the New Day. All wearing Dragon Ball Z Vegeta costumes, according to Michael Cole. Well. No, Michael they, Cole. No, they're they're wearing the Saiyan armor. They are definitely. wearing the Saiyan armors, yes. Um, I will say that I've, I'm pretty sure that Xavier had his hair in the Vegeta style. It was pretty poofy. Uh, but, like. I was sad Biggie. they didn't do the Ginyu Force pose they don't have enough people to do the game i don't care they can do three of them (laughs) but biggie was biggie was definitely rocking the uh napa style armor but yeah i really like i really like dragon ball z and jbl called byron saxton a nerd because he knows that stuff byron saxton is a nerd but not because he knows basic pop culture pop culture references goku was in the was in the macy's day parade this year so i saw i was like dang and they even did a uh instrumental uh thing of the japanese theme song instead of the american one Ooh, there you go yeah yeah it was cool six-man tag team match the new day and my god you could have put a fucking gun to my head i would have not remembered the league of nations to save my life and, you know, it's weird because Seamus was world champion, like, at Survivor Series, like, only a few months ago. <laughs> at the start of the League of Nations. And Rusev had won the um, United States title for, like, the second time, or maybe Alberto had it. So, yeah, Something like the League of Nations is consisting of Wade Barrett, Rusev, Seamus, and Alberto Del Rio. Basically, all of the foreign wrestlers. Yes, all the foreigners. Wade Barrett is accompanying them to the ring, so he's not part of the match. Seamus and Xavier start off with the... Xavier quickly attacks all three... Wait. Xavier quickly attacks all three New Day. Oh, that's right. Sorry. The way I wrote it was kind of weird. Basically, uh, Seamus gets unicorn stampeded by every one of New Day. What is the unicorn stampede for listeners who don't know? They throw their opponent into the corner and they stomp a mud hole in them and walk it dry. But then they just tag out and the next partner comes in and does it and they tag out and rinse and repeat. Okay. Am I right? You are right. Hooray. It's stone cold, but without the stone cold. It's stone cold, but with rainbows. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that happened. Rusev is in a tagged in, and he destroys uh, Xavier. I wrote Kofi. Uh, uh, he tags in by the League of Nations. He, makes, he takes Xavier apart. Xavier is able to get a rolling elbow, and he almost gets to the tag rope. But he can't get there. He's pulled back. And it was... Uh, Pretty funny. Everyone was super chatty in this match. They were talking shit to each other. They were yelling spots. You talk too much. Pretty much. You never shut up. Rusev hits a rolling senton off the chest of, uh, to the chest of Xavier. I was like, holy shit. Rusev yeah, trying to get acrobatic. Ru- 
early Rusev would do things like that. Del so. Rio's back body dropped over the top rope, but Xavier is barely moving, so Sheamus is tagged in and easily takes care of the rest of the New Day. But Kofi is able to get back up. Kofi gets a desperate... Sorry, Xavier gets a desperate DDT, and he finally tags in. Uh, I didn't say who he tagged into. Awesome. Well, Biggie. Okay, thank you. Biggie takes out Rusev and Sheamus. Somehow becomes a legal man. Kofi hits a boom drop on both Sheamus and Rusev. They tried for a triple in paradise, but Sheamus sets... Up for a Texas Cloverleaf, but lifts it up like a power bomb, and then it just hits a huge spine buster. That was kind of cool. After a kick to the uh, back by, of Kofi by Barrett behind the ref's back, Biggie tags in, hits an overhead belly to belly on Sheamus, which looks very impressive. I think uh, Biggie killed himself doing a suicide dive slash clothesline. So basically, two of the Members of the League of Nation are standing on the ring apron, and the third is standing outside on the floor. Biggie thought it'd be a great idea to do a fucking suicide dive, but he put his arms out so he could clothesline them, and thus stopping his momentum and him falling face first onto his neck. And here's the thing this he was did this reg- all the time yes he, yes he did this all the time and he legitimately hurt himself on several occasions <sighs> it's like biggie stop like, no stop doing the, stop stop doing the cool suicide dive spear no yeah, no <laughs> you, you need a neck to live bud uh somehow xavier woods becomes a new legal man i didn't see a tag Del Rio takes off, or sorry, takes out Kofi with his double foot stomp thing to the outside of the ring. Wade Barrett then hits the bull hammer behind the ref's back, and then Sheamus hits a broke kick, and the League of Nations win at nine minutes and fifty seconds. And I love how they 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 they, they celebrate. They grab each other's hands like they're in a play, and they lift them up. And they put him down. And they lift him up. And they put him down. That's that's their way of of celebrating. But yeah, the lads, we did it. Ah, we got to do it. And, ah, got to do it again. And two of these men would be released from WWE within the year. <laughs> Sadness. I said, hey, okay. Well, well, Del Rio, we don't have to be sad about him no, being No, fuck Del released, Rio. But Wade Barrett's a good person. He is. <laughs> he he's now, he, he, at least he's got a job working for NXT. For now. Yes. An okay match. I liked it. It was fast-paced, a pretty good standard tag match where the ring was cut off from the from the baby faces. I really liked the uh, League of Nations. And to be honest, yeah. this is probably my favorite match of the night. <laughs> I, I mean, I won't. I won't go that far. I think it was a perfectly fine tag team match. Nothing special, um, but also nothing fantastic. Nobody messed anything up, really. Nope. Perfect. Perfectly fine. Biggie, Biggie meant to I'm, kill himself. That was Biggie, planned. I'm, I'm Biggie. I'm Biggie. I. I. I worry about you. Yes. <laughs> So, after the match, Wade gets on the microphone and says, The lads have won! And there are no three men that can go against this unit! 
guess you can't say, absolute unit. I, I guess you can't say uh, faction or team. The unit. Yeah, no. If you say team or whatever, uh, Vince McMahon will uh, blow baloney out of his nose and like get really angry. Yes, because that, that's the kind of stuff that he does. What, like a baseball team? <laughs> Or a basketball team. Do you remember that Enos guy? I hate him. Shawn <laughs> <laughs> Michaels hits. Shawn Michaels music hits. And out comes HBK wearing his wrestling gear. Mankind's music then hits. And he is dressed as Cactus Jack. And then the glass shatters. And out comes Stone Cold in a Dallas 316 t-shirt. All three men walk down to the ring with Austin leading the charge. It's four on three, though, in favor of the League of Nations. Everyone stares at everyone. But then the New Day drag out Wade Barrett out of the ring. So now it's even three on three. All the legends take out everyone, but Rusev is getting the better of Austin. I was actually kind of surprised to see Austin actually, like, sell. For, uh, but they didn't, they didn't focus on him, though. They really didn't. Um, no, they were didn't really had to pay attention. They were just like... Oh, Mandible Claw, Mr. Yes. Socko. Yes. Eventually, Austin's able to get a um, of mud hole in him. Sockable Claw by Foley. Sweet Chin Music by HBK on Del Rio. A huge stunner on Rusev. King Barrett then gets all three moves given to him. And Byron Saxon does his best Stone Cold JR impression from WrestleMania 14. Well, I love the legends coming back. And I love all three men. But come on. You wonder why the WWE can't make new superstars. It's because the WWE keeps doing shit like this. Yes, and because just they wait just for bury... And as, as was just said earlier in this review, Sheamus was a WWE champion not even like five months ago. <laughs> you know. <sighs> yeah. But then what happens next doesn't even make makes even less sense where the new day gets stunnered by Austin. Oh yeah. I forgot to even write all that shit down. <laughs> I honestly, I kind of fast forward. I was like, okay, they're done. They're just going to celebrate. So I just kind of fast forward through it. Cause I'm like, I got to get this shit done. I'm on a time crunch. So no, what happened? Yeah, yeah no. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin attacks like, um, Xavier Woods, and while he's drinking a beer, and gives him a stunner, and so he spits the beer everywhere, and Austin goes, <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> Trying to get over? Ah, you fucking nerd. Dragon Ball Z. Uh, he's a... Uh, I don't get uh, that. They, so you attack the baby faces. Well, so... The New Day dance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, Kingston got... Shawn Michaels to dance, and then uh, Big E got Mick Foley to do the hip swivel, and then Xavier Wood tried to get Austin to dance, and that's when the stunner happened. Gotcha. But still, it's just like... Uh Uh-oh! I ain't dancing! Yeah, I'm just gonna hit the stunner. Wham! You know, whatever. Yes. All right. (laughs) However he he talks on his podcast. (sighs) Now! I was so confused by this match. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? 
Like, don't get me wrong. I love John Moxley. But you got Brock Lesnar. He makes a bazillion dollars a year. No holes barred street fight. Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar. So. Yes. Leading up to this match, legends like Mick Foley and Terry Funk were giving him weapons to use in his match against Brock Lesnar. And and the weapon that Terry Funk gave... Here's a chainsaw, kid. Yeah. It's like, I was chainsawed Charlie. And then, uh... So here's my chainsaw. And it's like, okay. Um... Mick, how? Yeah, Mick, yeah. How is this legal? <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to maim my opponent. And even when he was chainsaw Charlie, he didn't use the chainsaw except in his entrance. Well, he also uh, chainsawed his way out of the box. Well, yes, he did do that. Yes. So then Brock attacked Ambrose in the parking lot. Dean was sent to the hospital, but he stole the ambulance and drove back to the arena and said he was undestructible. So and obviously, he was like wearing like a cop hat. Yes. <laughs> when he came out of the ambulance for some reason. So like. The mood of this match was they alluded to his death match, uh, you know, Independent Day. No, excuse me, his Independent Days. And it was like, oh, this is going to be a crazy hardcore WrestleMania match. No. No, no. Because, we'll get, uh. We'll get more into that. I got, I got, I wrote down plenty of stuff. Okay. Ambrose is launched into the corner and quickly suplexed. And then the second one, he's thrown around across the ring. A third one. And Ambrose falls out of the ring. But Ambrose grabs a candlestick and beats Lesnar with it. But Lesnar knees Ambrose and hits two more suplexes. And the crowd counts along. Lesnar has two candlesticks, but he breaks one over his knee for some reason. And then he just throws the other one down. And then he just yeah, keeps he suplexing. Yeah. Every time Dean tries to get a candlestick, Brock Lesnar steps on it and laughs. But then Lesnar, uh, but then Ambrose tries again, and Dean then finally just hits a low blow on Lesnar, and then he hits a suicide dive to take Lesnar down. Dean grabs the chainsaw given him by Terry Funk, but it doesn't start, so Brock just suplexes him on the on the mats now. Dean then hits Lesnar with a with the Spanish announcer's laptop. I was laughing my ass off. So the Spanish announcer has this random laptop. Dean grabs it and slams it over the head of uh, Brock Lesnar, and you hear a fan goes, "I hope you backed up." <laughs> I was like, "Yes." What sage advice? But uh, WWE, so probably not. Yeah, probably went to Goodwill. We need a laptop we could smash. Uh, Dean then sprays a fire extinguisher and it blinds Lesnar briefly. Dean attacks Lesnar with a chair. And then he hits a running uh, drop kick to the chair to the face of Brock Lesnar. I was shocked that Brock wasn't busted open. A top rope elbow drop onto the chair, or with the chair onto Lesnar. Only gets a two count. Dean continues to go back under the ring. He throws a ton of chairs into the ring and then piles them up in the center. Dean tries to hit a uh, tries to hit Brock, but Lesnar hits a suplex onto Dean. But Lesnar falls into the pile of chairs. That must have hurt. Probably. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking it with all my shockness. 
Dean tries to take Lesnar with a suplex. Dean has a pile of chairs. Uh, uh, then he sets up Dean for the F5, but Dean DDTs it into the pile of chairs. He gets a near fall. The crowd bit hard. But Dean continues to go into the ring. He then grabs Barbie the baseball bat, a gift from Mick Foley. A barbed wired covered baseball bat, if you don't know what Barbie is. Yes. Dean swings for the head of Lesnar, but Dean is suplexed into a pile of chairs. Suplex uh, number 13. Yes. Heyman then yells for Lesnar to do it now. Lesnar then FIs Dean into the pile of chairs, picks up the win at 12 minutes and 50 seconds. It was a Brock match. It wasn't... It... It was a Brock match, but it wasn't a good Brock match because Brock has kind of two modes. He has working boots, Brock, and then he got you got. I'm getting. I'm not. I don't get paid by the hour, Brock. Yes. And we got. I don't get paid by the hour, Brock. So. so I got some. I got two sides of the coin, for this match. So. Dean Ambrose. Oh, so my thoughts were the match was kind of meh. I thought the buildup was good, but then they just couldn't deliver. And it's just suplex after suplex. It seems like now, like, this is that era of, like, aha, we got something with, with Brock. Just do it 9,000 times, and the crowd will count along. Yeah, we have to do the suplex city thing, because so, that became a meme. Yes. Dean was on an infamous podcast, Stone Cold Podcast. It was very, very infamous. So, here's what Dean said about that match. Dean said that he couldn't... It was uh, Brock being lazy. He said, Ambrose, I went out to the ring that night pretty pissed off, but then I really started to enjoy as I walked to the ring. I had no idea what was going to happen. Went out there with not much of a plan, so to speak. Austin, what were you pissed off about? Ambrose, I felt like I was pulling teeth to turn the match into something epic and so forth. Austin, you're an MMA fan just like I am. Uh, was it disconnect? a disconnect in styles artistically in the ring? Ambrose, artistically, Brock didn't want to do anything. If we're going to be perfectly honest, Brock's going to Brock. He's all about Brock. I had a vision for the match to be the craziest thing imaginable, you know what I mean? And I was trying to pitch everything to everyone and had every idea. I put so much effort and so much work in and then other people did too and I was met with laziness. I kept thinking at the end of the day, once we get in the ring, it's all going to be okay. We'll figure it out once we're in the ring. Well, we went out there, we whacked each other with some weapons. I got suplexed a bunch of times. That was what Dean said on the Austin podcast. <laughs> I did some digging. So what actually happened, Brock Lesnar was secretly training for UFC 200. <laughs> yeah. So let's, I, I had forgotten. Yes. So let's get into that a little bit. I have a big, huge paragraph. So, 
Yes, Brock was secretly training for UFC 200, which was going to take place in July. In exchange for the UFC promoting SummerSlam that year, they loaned out Brock Lesnar to face Mark Hunt, as both John Jones and Conor McGregor were pulled from the event. Errol Hawani, a well-known MMA journalist, broke the story at UFC 199 prior to the UFC. Uh, he was ejected from the from the show and his journalistic credentials taken away from him by Dana White in the UFC. I remember that being a huge thing. I also remember that being a huge thing. Dana White is, for people who don't know, is essentially uh, the Vince McMahon of the UFC. Uh, he well, I don't think no, he owns- well, no, he doesn't own it, but he's the. Basically, well, the he figure. Yeah, he's the point. face. He's the face of UFC. He did. He did own it at one point, and then he sold it for billions of dollars. Yes. Uh, but he wasn't even the original owner. Like no. he bought it. He bought it. He was like uh, part. He was a co-owner. He had stake in it. That's all. He didn't own it. Yeah. He was one of the several folks who help own UFC. He was like a majority, not a majority, but like he had yeah. a percentage in UFC. And but he, Dana White essentially though is like your booker and like your authority. He's the authority figure, the booker, and like when anything happens it's because Dana White said so. Dana White books the matches and he he signs the fighters and in like what he says goes. And and also much like Vince McMahon, he has like this cult of personality around him where people are like, oh, Dana White can do no wrong. And people like him because he speaks his mind oftentimes and he starts these very public feuds with MMA fighters and journalists and whoever else he seemingly can because he that's just who he is as a person, you know. Yep. And um, I mean, he's like challenged people to go into the MMA ring. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like you do know that this is actually real Dana White. It's not going. Yes. You're, you're you're not Vince McMahon, no matter how much you t- steal his promotional tactics. I think there was actually uh, talk at one point they wanted to do Vince McMahon versus uh, Dana White. Yes, there was. I, I but you know that never ended up happening for other reasons. But well, mainly Vince McMahon's old. <laughs> He was in his 60s back then. No. So, Mark Hunt and Brock Lesnar would go on to co-main event the show and would see Brock Lesnar win by unanimous decision. In a sleeper of a match. Yes. It just, it sucked so much. It's just like, Brock didn't want to get punched. Mark Hunt didn't want to get punched. So they just stood around and didn't do a whole lot. But six days later, uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency would announce that Brock Lesnar failed his drug test from an out-of-competition sample collected on June 28th. Remember, the fight was July 5th. Then USADA came out saying that Brock had failed an in-competition sample as a result. Uh, So the fight was overturned to a no contest. Both Brock Lesnar and John Jones, who was also pulled from the event due to failing a drug test, were both found using hydro... Uh, hydroxychlomaphene, an estrogen blocker. Brock was banned from fighting for one year uh, and had to give up 10% of his fight purse as punishment. 
Likewise, likewise, John Jones was suspended for a year also. So there you go. What do you think? Do you think Brock was, you know, just taking it easy because he's doing fight camp? I mean, I mean, potentially, um, but there was also a idea at the time that if you look at a lot of Brock's matches, he didn't do a whole lot uh, besides the German suplex thing and become a strawberry. (laughs) Yes. And then scream really high pitchedly. And that's what, and that's what happens when you take too many steroids. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was, there was the idea at the time that his matches, like his match quality went significantly down after his really long WWE world heavyweight title reign. And even within that, there were times where it's just like, really, we're just going to, you know, you're just going to do three suplexes and three F fives and that's the match. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's probably a combination of of both. I don't. I think Brock probably wasn't didn't want to get hurt, and was in a match where, let's face it, it was pretty easy to get hurt if you actually did things. Um, and also, Brock's like, I'm going to get five hundred grand for this uh, match, regardless of how yeah, much I do. That's the way I look at it. Like, he's getting a huge payday. <laughs> Regardless of what he does, so why hurt the hell out of myself and get injured and still get the same payday? Right. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, I mean, it it just depends on who he's having the match with, and that really, you know, that really dictates how much effort he's going to put in and if Brock doesn't like you he's not going to put the effort in and, and he clearly doesn't like uh, John Moxley Dean Ambrose alright we have the Hall of Fame package this year's entries are the Freebirds the Godfather Big Boss Man Jacqueline Stan Hansen Snoop Dogg Joan London wins the Warrior Lord and Sting and Sting officially tires uh, from his ma- after his injury from Seth Rollins at the Night of Champions 2015. So this was the first time we'd seen him. He then said, "I'm retiring. I'm Ooh. retiring in the ho- in the Hall of Fame." Sting would return to active competition five yes. years later. <laughs> yes, and we just wrestled last week. Yes. During the kickoff show, the new women's WWE Women's Championship was unveiled by Lita. The winner would be the first ever champion, Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky Lynch. A history of the Div or, or Becky Lynch, sorry, would be one of the champions. A history of the Divas champion, and then the Becky, Sasha, and Charlotte are shown in NXT taking over. And how they changed the women's wrestling. Blah, blah, blah. In my opinion, it started with women like Lita, Ivory, Jazz, Molly Holly, and even Trish Stratus finally came into her own. And then along came Mickey James and AJ Lee. And I think AJ Lee really kicked off the revolution. But obviously they couldn't say that because by this time she was gone from the company. Well, 
I I don't disagree with you. There was always w at least one or two women who were the wrestler type within the the divas division uh, back with that. That that's the other thing that we should mention is that this is the officially the retirement of the term diva as well. Yes, they're now superstars, just like yes, the just like the, the men. men. Um, but like. After Lita and Trish kind of retired, we got a whole bunch of, uh... We got Playboy, people... Centerfold, Models, we got just... Right, it, I mean, Kelly it, Kelly it, 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 is a good it, example. It was, right, it was like under the, uh, the Sable model, to, to give it a, a name, I guess. Uh, you know, there were people like Natalia and Beth Phoenix and AJ Lee, uh, and... And Eve, like even some of the ones who were initially hired because of their looks, like Eve Torres, like uh, definitely improved a whole lot in the ring and all that other stuff. So like, yeah, were... I'm not trying to downplay like anyone's. I, I've certainly never wrestled. No, you're right. I mean, not not necessarily to downplay, but like it just um, the the divas division uh, had a definite <clears throat> style and then now they're trying something else yes um i just find it strange that they're just like yes this is going to be the first ever wwe women's title uh championship uh winner and it's just like you had a wwe women's championship like not even five years ago why can't you just like say we're unretiring the belt and giving it a new look or whatever no new champion new lineage you know yeah yeah. So, uh, women's championship three way: Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair. It's steampunk Becky with tons of steam, and her motto is "Be different." I think uh, Steve Jobs would like to have a word with her. Eh, it's too, it's right. too close to think different. Be different. Yes. Think different. Apple will sue your ass. Snoop Dogg, her cousin, and the singer of her theme, uh, Sasha. Sorry, I don't know why. I, I just started writing words. Uh, yeah, Becky, Becky's cousin, Snoop Dogg. Yes. <laughs> I just started writing words <laughs> without any context, apparently. Uh, Sasha comes out. I forgot who does her live performance, but she sings her to the ring. And then Snoop Dogg does his rap to it, to what she uses now. And it just, it's awful. And uh, Sasha uses that Sasha, today as her as her uses the Snoop Dogg part, and it's just yeah. it's terrible. I was just going to say that I liked Sasha's gear because it looked like Eddie Guerrero. Yes, that's uh, one thing I did mention that uh, she is paying homage to Eddie Guerrero, her hero. Her pants are something you'd see Eddie in. Don't think you'd see him in that kind of top, though. Uh no, probably not. No. Maybe, though. Charlotte Flair comes out with Ric Flair with pieces of the robe that Flair wore at his retirement match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24. In my opinion, Becky Lynch got screwed on the entrances. Fucking, uh, you know, she gets steam. Yeah. Sasha gets sang out to the ring and fucking Charlotte Flair gets the biggest fireworks display up to that point. 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I wonder who's going to win this match. Yeah, how much money do they spend on the entrance? That's the person. Well, I not to uh, knock Becky Lynch at all, uh, but it's so funny it, seeing her back then and what she came to now. Right. I mean, now she's probably the biggest women star that they have, but at the time, uh, if you were to ask the fans, oh, she out of was, these, yeah, yeah, like out of these four women, because we also have to mention Bailey, which one is the most popular? I think Becky Lynch might have been at the bottom at that point. I would Bailey, agree. I would 100 Bailey agree. was humongous in uh, NXT, so yes. Uh, Sasha with an early hurricanrana, a lot of chain wrestling and arm drags by all three women. Sasha is taken out by Charlotte with a wheelbarrow slam to the bottom rope. This was kind of weird. How is this supposed to hurt you? So essentially, she did like a wheelbarrow slam, but instead of like hitting the side of the ring, she just throws her into the bottom rope. And then it's like, oh, she's hurt because she hit the bottom rope. Well, it's a, it's a metal cable. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yes... They hit the ropes all the I time. Don't, while don't get me wrong. I'm glad she didn't hit the side of the ring. That hurt like a bitch. Yeah. Anyway, but. she's out now, so Sasha's taken out. Charlotte and Becky Lynch get to fight. And I hate saying, I hate the saying, head on a swivel. They say it so much. You gotta have your head on a swivel. Fuck off. Go fuck you off never know. a swivel. <laughs> You never know when somebody's going to come up behind you and punch you right in the back of the head. Yes, I can be podcasting right now. Bam! <laughs> a rude awakening by Charlotte off the middle rope for a two count on Becky. Becky then gets the disarmor, but Ric Flair uh, distracts the ref. Uh, Sasha gets, gets in and breaks the hold, and she's thrown to the outside uh, for a third time. Sasha hits a front splash to the legs of both Becky and Charlotte, who had Becky in a figure eight for a near fall. It was kind of weird. Like, so Becky and Charlotte were in a figure eight, and then, like, Sasha came and gave her a frog splash to the legs. Yeah, that's how you're going to break up the hold that messes up your knees. Yeah. Sasha hits a plancha onto Charlotte to take her out. Uh, then Becky hits a dive onto Ric Flair. Somehow, Charlotte is the first career feat of all three women, though. So Charlotte just hits a top row moonsault to the both women on the floor. This was back before she put the twist in it. Yes, this was just straight up moonsault. Double natural selection, and I forgot how dumb the natural selection move is. I mean, I, I think it in concept, it's fine. It's a cartwheel into a cutter. The problem comes in is that they're hitting it like and you're like a foot off the ground. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that that that's it? Like that just to be like this big like Oh my god. So what I like better, Ricochet and also um Rich Swan have done this where they do a handstand cartwheel thing into the ropes and then they bounce back and hit a full cutter. It's uh, essentially the same move, but gotcha. just with more impact. Yes. Charlotte then pins each woman, but gets two counts each time, so she is going back and forth. Uh, Becky then hits a disarmor on Charlotte after a moment. Sasha then hits a bank statement on Becky. Charlotte then turns and applies the figure four, and then into the figure eight. 
on Sasha, who still has the bank statement on Becky. So all three women are in in submission holds, and I was so confused by this. Like, why does someone tapped out? Does the person you're putting the hold on tap win? Like, so if, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So like, if Becky tapped out, is would Sasha like, win because uh, she has a bank statement on, or would Charlotte win? Yeah, obviously they weren't yeah. gonna pin it, but I was just like, how? Meanwhile, the crowd's like going nuts, and I'm in like disbelief. Like, it's, okay? it's it would it, it's a confusing situation. Becky hits a back exploder from the top rope, leaving Sasha on the floor. Uh, or sorry, leaving Sasha on the other top rope. But Sasha hits the bank statement. Uh, but Sasha then is thrown out by Charlotte. Charlotte then applies the figure eight to Becky. Becky then taps out at 16.01. I said this is a good match. All three women work really hard. But fuck, I hated the announcers. All is saying, what a revolution it is. And how they're so proud. Just shut the fuck up and let the women do the talking. Not the announcers. Not the men. Right. Exactly. It's like they just sat there and glad-handed themselves. Right. They're like, see, we can let women wrestle and we can give them time and we can give them a belt that looks just like the men's belt. Aren't we doing such this this great thing? Aren't we great for giving women the platform that we're giving them? And don't you know that you should thank Stephanie McMahon for doing all of this? Because Stephanie Abby? McMahon uh, ended up inventing women. Yes, she invented women. <laughs> you, know, you know. So what did you think of the match? I thought it was probably the best women's match that we've seen in like 10 years at WrestleMania. Yeah. I'd agree. I don't know. I just... I don't know what it is. But I find... I'm not a huge fan of women's wrestling. But then I see stuff in, like, AEW. I saw, like, Double or Nothing earlier this year. Where they had, I think it was Rio and... um, I think it was Britt Baker? It was a pre-show match before the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. I've enjoyed AEW's women's wrestling for the most part. Because they go out and let the women do their wrestling. I mean, it could be argued that AEW could do more by having more women's segments. I, I agree. Uh, but I just feel like... <sighs> but they let them do the whatever. you know. Um, I just felt the... like the women in this match were just copying the spots that the men do. Like, they were doing three-way on the knees, slapping and punching. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what it was. I just felt like, okay, they're good wrestlers. Like, I'm not... I feel bad for, like, saying this, but I just feel like the women get kind of a pass because they're women and because they've been held down for so long. Mm-hmm. And then it's like they finally get an opportunity to actually wrestle... But then, like, they're still... I feel like they're still just copying the WWE formulaic style. Well, I think that's There's a no originality there. Whereas, right. like, I see these women coming from Japan or other independent promotions going into, like, AEW, and they'll have these amazing matches that I actually give a shit about. 
Like anytime Riho wrestles. Don't get me wrong. A 90-pound woman can take on Dr. Britt Baker and win. Like, theoretically, that should be impossible. I get mm-hmm. that. But I lose myself when I watch those Re- uh, Riho matches. It's fun. The near falls make sense. These, this match just felt like, what do the guys do that get over? Let's do that, too. Well, I, I think it's more of a problem of the And it could WWE just be the WWE style. style, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's not... I think it's... The WWE style is meant to be impactful only at certain moments. And so when you have those big clashes and those sorts of things... Um, and I also, is going to, I also it, felt it is, like just... Uh, sorry, continue on. I apologize. It, it, well, I was just going to say it's going to be more impactful when... when a male does those like big spots within the WWE ring because not only uh, is the WWE ring much bigger than like almost any other wrestling ring. Like it's four, it's like 20 by 20 instead of 16 by 16. And that makes a humongous difference when it comes to how you, your performers are uh, projected within the ring. Like certain people will look, quite a bit like smaller like Sasha Banks has always looked kind of strange within a WWE ring because she's so tiny mm-hmm. AJ Lee AJ Lee had the same problem mm-hmm. um and so it's just like the WWE style oddly enough is more suited to big lumbering people uh, you know it's odd that you know Vince is looking for that because like that's that's what his style is is meant to like really work with. Like uh, I'll give you an example. I like Dr. Britt Baker mm-hmm. because I saw her from the first AEW and I saw where she came from and she it feels like she organically got over. They didn't push her down our throats. What right. they did with Charlotte and Sasha and Becky. Like I kind of felt like oh, excuse me, goddamn, I got the hiccups. I kind of felt like the WWE was like, hey guys, we're all women's revolution. Oh, these three women are the best. Oh, aren't we great? Like, I, I don't want to be a dick to them because they work hard. They, uh, you know, they, 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 they earn their spot and they bust their ass. And who am I? You know, it's easy for me to judge, but I just, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I, I don't want to seem like I'm being sexist or... No, anything, I, don't, I, don't, but... I don't. I don't. I don't think you are. I think what it is is you and I. Certainly, I have felt the fatigue of having Vince McMahon decide this is the person that we're going to push. Now, like every wrestling promotion is going to have the people that they push, but like, like for the most part, to me, like... for the most part, people get over first, and then they get the bigger push. Like you were saying with Britt Baker, or because. <clears throat> AEW initially tried to make her into like the big baby face uh, star of the women's division, and Britt it Baker f- was not a star. No, it failed. <laughs> yeah, there was people and, like Riho and Nyla Rose and Swole, and there was people that were better or like told a better story. Like I was looking at Riho matches where you know the, the her gimmick is like she never gives up, and she's this ninety pound you know. Japanese yeah. girl soaking wet and somehow she she pulls out you know all those Japanese women like uh you or not Yoshi who's uh 
Emmy Sakura. Emmy, yeah, Emmy Sakura, or the other one who always. Shida. Uh, who? Shida. Uh, Hikaru well, Shida. Not so much like Shida. Who's the girl who's always sometimes with like, uh, 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 the Dark Order? Not not Anna J, but she's a Japanese girl, and she. Oh, was, Maki Ito. Maki Ito, thank you. Like to me, Maki Ito got over instantly, just on her charisma and, you know, her her crazy song too. <laughs> but yes, well, you know, yeah. like, just like, I just feel like these guys didn't go over uh, in this match. Just didn't feel like they earned anything. I mean, they obviously did in NXT, and they had blow away NXT matches. But then it's like well, you get to yeah. the main roster, yeah. and it's like, no, you're gonna work this way. You're only gonna do these moves, and just nothing felt original. Yeah, but yet it was like, like the de- the announcers are like, "Oh my God, this is such an amazing women's match! Oh my God, women's revolution! Oh my God, this match yeah, is so bizarre." They were definitely trying to force something, um, because they were sick of getting criticism for for not featuring some of their performers. Yeah, um, like, and the I, and I think fan reaction to the women's revolution over time has certainly soured a bit um and, and towards some of the performers like charlotte flair right now is like almost as hated as roman reigns was well um, yeah because all he does is win because they're trying to get her to fucking 16 times and then recently she was like two or three matches away from being in the 16 titles. And they magically re-raced her NXT championships to put her back down to like 12. 12, yeah. And it's like, what? Like, this is your history. Yeah, well, NXT doesn't matter. Well, now Clearly. it doesn't. But yeah, that's what's so weird. I don't know. And I'm not trying to sound like, like, oh, AEW does it better. Dude, I've even thought about starting to watch Stardom. Because I've seen good women's matches. And I'm not saying it's just Japanese girls. But I remember seeing, like, the Aja Kong and the, the, uh, the, the, the Miami Toyota matches. And mm-hmm. just some of the older wrestling stuff. And I was blown I mean, away. Yeah, I mean, it's like these guys Shimmer... are doing, these guys are doing matches that are on par with the men, if not better. I mean, there have been women's leagues for a, oh, a long time, a long time. Yeah. Like Shimmer Shine in the United States are. Great. But to be fair, they were never easily accessible. No, you had, you had to, to go out of your way to find them or actually go to one of their shows if they were in your town. Yes. And don't get me wrong, people like Bailey were in them. A lot of the wrestlers we see in WWE were in Shimmer or Shine or some kind of independent league. But obviously, when you go to WWE, you do it their way. Yeah. So, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm not trying to make this an AEW versus WWE thing. This is just my opinion from just watching... Rob, it's clear that Tony Khan is paying us millions of dollars yes. for useless podcasts that I'm talking about <laughs> WWE, and how dare you have an opinion? Yes. You know? Yes. So. All right. But, so it's kind of. Tony, but Tony, please, please continue to send those checks. Uh, the fireworks go off. They spend a million dollars more just for Charlotte winning. 
And they even had it again, just like her entrance, all the fireworks around. The- How weird. You know, I was just thinking about this. When do you live near the arena and all of a sudden you're fucking. <laughs> all this shit, just all these fireworks going on. Going, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> well, yeah, but you would know if WrestleMania was in your town. I'm sure it's like yes. the Olympics. They just like all these randos are in town for destroying place things. What's a bullet club, you gun lover? It's uh, too sweet for 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 life. Yes. I don't know. Did I ever tell you the story of me up in Canada? Maybe. I stayed at a hotel, and on a weekend up in Toronto, and they had it was a really nice hotel. I think it was a four or five star hotel. They had yeah. a concierge doorman, and I came outside wearing my bullet club shirt. And he ran up to me and he too sweeted me. And my coworker was like, The fuck just happened? Why are you guys doing that sign with each other? And I'm like, you know, it's just this thing. These guys obviously these guys obviously know who I am. And he's like, Ah, bullet club, too sweet, brother! And we too sweeted. And he goes, Wait a minute, your shirt? I'm like, it's a wrestling thing. He goes, Ah, you fucking nerds. (laughs) (laughs) He was confused though. He's like, What in the hell are you two doing? Uh, It was fun. It was fun. We're doing the uh, silence llama. Yes. (laughs) All right. For the 33rd time, Zach. The 33rd time at this point. Hell in the Cell is being lowered. I can name probably five Hell in the Cells. The first one with HBK and Mm -hmm. Undertaker. Yes. The second one, Undertaker Mm -hmm. and Mankind. Yes. Uh, Well, maybe six. The... Triple H versus Mankind at yep. uh, No Way Out 2000. Triple H versus Chris Jericho where the referee got injured and dislocated his elbow or his shoulder. <laughs> Don't know why I can remember that, but I can. Um, uh, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And then the rest are a blur. Um, I can think of a few others, like the six-way Hell in a Cell and Armageddon 2000. There are seven. Yeah. Um, boss Man versus Oh, Taker. God, at WrestleMania 15, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there was also Undertaker versus CM Punk and Hell in a Cell 2010. I don't remember that one at all. Well, it so... It's not a. It's not like a very memorable match. It was memorable yeah. because CM Punk was World Heavyweight Championship, or champion, um, had a match with a Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker, and it was done in less than ten minutes. And Undertaker like barely used the cell and like completely buried CM Punk. Jesus. And 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 it was like a big deal because um, I guess Taker told Punk to dress better. And Punk was like, John Cena wears jorts. And Undertaker then was like, I'm going to be champion. (laughs) (laughs) You know. What the fuck? That's so stupid. You think about it? Like, 
You're not wearing a suit, punk. Yeah. Imagine Undertaker just walking around wearing a suit. Yeah. You know? No, he'd walk around in his like Blue Lives Matter shirt. Probably. Talking about how the block room was better when it was filled with knives and guns instead yes. of video games. <laughs> they ain't doing the drugs no more. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't get the locker rooms anymore, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I couldn't believe it. Thirty third time at this time. Obviously, there's been a lot more since. Yeah. Shane McMahon versus the Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. After seven years of being away, Shane McMahon came back after leaving in 2009 in uh, China, funding China Broadband. An ISP, which he'd become a CEO of in 2010, actually. But he came back, and he wanted Monday Night Raw. Because guess what, Zach? What? Monday Night Raw sucked. You don't say. I know. Shock, right? So Vince said he'll give Shane Raw if he faces off against The Undertaker at WrestleMania at Hell in a Cell. And didn't, like, Vince call The Undertaker his bitch? Yes! So, they then go to some random promo where Vince goes, The Undertaker is my instrument of destruction, but he is also my bitch! (laughs) And if he loses, this will be his last match. And I was like, what? Dude, Vince is like 68 years old. Probably more like 65. Calling someone his bitch. Like, what the fuck? I gotta be edgy. What do the youth say? Bitch. Yes. Clearly. Everything's bitch. At no time during the package, they talk about the lockbox or what Shane had over Vince or anything. And we never find out. Shane McMahon is 46 years old, and he has gray hair, and looks significantly older than he used to. And also, his neck is so wide. Like, when he left in, like, 2010, like, I think the last time we've talked about him was uh, right before the uh, Triple H versus Randy Orton match. I think that's, like, the last time he showed up at a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And, like, he looked like a normal person. And then he came back, and he's just very wide now. Well, he's eating all that Chinese food. Well, I suppose so, but his neck is also, like, as wide as his shoulders. It's just, it's it's very strange. He's on the Brock Lesnar exercise program. I mean, yeah, because he also, like, turns into, like, a blueberry. He does. Well, he also had diverticulitis. He did. Man. So what is it about taking steroids that gives you diverticulitis? Are you, are be... you suggesting that Vin, that Vince McMahon's son, Shane McMahon, is taking steroids? Yeah, um, no, I would never imply that. That is slander, young man. <laughs> he will sue you. Possibly. I'm allegedly say... taking allegedly taking steroids. There, there, there I can't. There, you're I can't now be sued. Yes, I use the word I allegedly use... in front of everything. You can't be sued. Right. So, Sane's alleged three sons also joined him in his entrance. It's alleged three sons? Yes. Now, it was kind of cool, though, because I remember the last time we saw Shane, uh, his firstborn, 
Remember during the intro package, they were like, mm. and the next generation. And they showed Shane, or I think it was Vince holding Shane's son. I, I forget what it was, but I remember it was the eldest son who had just been born. And now they're probably not going to be in the wrestling business. I, I, I don't know. I hope not, but whatever. Well, at the time of this recording, uh, Stephanie McMahon has just uh, announced that her eldest daughter mm-hmm. is now in training to become a wrestler. Really? Yeah. She's 17. Oh, God, I'm so old. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, good for her. I mean, that's kind of cool that they're letting... Because you always hear about, like, wrestlers who are like, Oh, would you let your kid be a wrestler? Oh, fuck no. no. Never. But, I mean, it seems like, too... Uh, the, the 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 then versus now in the locker room and all that is way 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 different. Right. Yeah. It's not like a drug den anymore, or you're not going to get like beat up by your coworkers. How yes, do you uh, not push your own kid though? Like you, you know, all the other promotions. Uh, Dusty did it. Eric Bischoff did it. Uh, Eric, Wa- uh, Bill Eric Watts, Watts did it. yeah, with Bear or Bill Watts did it. Like, how do you not like, man? Imagine if you're in NXT or the one training them, or whatever. You're sparring with them and you injure them. Yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, how scary. Well, I mean, I hope she does good. Good yeah. for her. I, I mean, I applaud Stephanie and Triple H. I mean, obviously they've been around around the block. Obviously Triple H has been around the block. And, you know, Stephanie's been working for the WWE since she was like, you know, 20. 12 or whatever. Oh, no, yeah. she's even younger. Remember, she used to be like the model. Oh, in the catalog. Yeah. yeah the catalog, yeah. So, I mean, like, she's obviously done a lot, but, huh, well, that's cool. It's funny, though. Shane has three sons, and uh, Triple H and Triple H, or Stephanie have, was it two or three daughters? Three daughters. Weird. <laughs> All right. So his sons come out. They do his dance moves together, and then they huddle up, and then I think they just go to the front row. Um, yeah. Undertaker then comes in and does his nine-year entrance. <laughs> Nothing special. Undertaker beats up Shane early. Shane gets the Undertaker down early with an elbow. Shane randomly gets Undertaker into a triangle chokehold, but I was so confused by this. He has his legs wrapped around his, 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 his head. Yeah. Meanwhile, so that's how... his arm is just flopping around like way out. He's like pumping in the air like Zack Ryder. I'm like, aren't you yeah. supposed to be like holding onto his head or doing something with that hand? Yeah. Well. You're, you're supposed to trap one arm and pull on the head. That's how you're supposed to do it. See, this is, like, really strange. Like, Shane McMahon came back, and all of a sudden he's an MMA fighter. Yes. And oh, I've, has, got, I've got words about this match. And he has uh, those great punches of his. Yes. They keep talking about his great punches. Yes. Choke slam on steel stops for a two count. Shane was on the steel stops. Out of the blue, Undertaker decided it'd be a great idea to do a running elbow drop. You know, that move he's known for. Uh, onto the steel steps. But Shane runs, or sorry, Shane rolls out of the way. And Undertaker 
Elbow drop, steel stairs. Uh, then Shane taunts The Undertaker. And D then DDT is going to take her onto the stairs. Hell's Gate is applied to Shane. Undertaker does more yelling, though, than Shane does. Yeah, I love The Undertaker's yell because, like, Undertaker has, like, a couple of different yells that he does that are always great. Yes. His, his Hell's Gate one is great because he's just like, Rah! and then my favorite, though, is when he's about to do either a corner clothesline or the guillotine leg drop because oftentimes they'll just go beep. Yes. I like when he punches people. He goes, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Pipe, calm down there, sound man, Undertaker. Call He's him. just like... I think we should just call him Megaphone. Megaphone? Shane gets a trash can. He hits the coast to coast on the Undertaker. Always impressive. Shane, as I noticed about the Shane's jersey, it said, M to the third power. On one sleeve, mm-hmm. and then on the other sleeve, it said number three in numer uno, and in numerals, uno Roman numerals. Okay. I think the third, the number three, was the third match of WrestleMania that he's been in. I. Or is I think this so. his fourth? I'm not sure. Because wasn't he in the so? He was in the. X-Pac versus Shane for the, mm-hmm. there was it, the European title yeah. at WrestleMania 15. Yes. And then I think it was the Lover Her Lever match with Test. And now this one. Uh, no, he was in the uh, Vincent Shane at WrestleMania Oh, X7. duh. How do I forget that then? Dude, what the fuck? I wonder what it meant. Maybe his three kids? Well, that's what I thought the M3 maybe stood for. But then what about his wife and him? Yeah, I don't know. And at first I thought his kids all started with the letter M, and I looked them up, and no, they do not. And I was actually Hmm. kind of surprised. None of them have, like, the middle name of, like, Vince. One of them has Jesse for a middle name, which I, I would maybe think that'd be for Jess McMahon. Maybe. Maybe uh, Vince's brother, if I remember correctly. I thought his brother was Roderick. That's it, Roderick. Yeah, sorry. Jess is his his father. Sorry. I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah. Yeah, Rod McMahon. That's what it was. Um, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm confused now. Huh. Here I thought I I was like, oh, third WrestleMania match. I completely blanked on the uh, WrestleMania 17 match. All right. Oh, anyway. Shane McMahon grabs a pair of bolt cutters and cuts off the uh, uh, the bolts or whatever, holding the cage up. Uh, Undertaker then picks up Shane. He just punches him. They both punch each other for a little bit. It's a very slow, plotting match. Undertaker then picks up Shane and slams him through the cage portion that he cut. And Michael Cole is shocked that the cage fell over. Michael Cole acts like this is an unbelievable thing. Like the cage just gave away. How strong is the Undertaker that he can obliterate just part of a cage? It's like, Jesus Christ, Michael Cole. You literally just saw him cut it open. 
You saw nothing. Yes. Shh. Undertaker then clears out the English announce table and then the Spanish announce table. Undertaker throws uh, Shane into a small gap next to the timekeeper's desk onto some wooden table or something. Undertaker is going to set up for a tombstone pile driver, but Shane locks on the sleeper to Undertaker, so he just throws himself and rolls through, smashing Shane McMahon through the Spanish announce table. That was kind of cool. Yeah. But what's not kind of cool was how quickly Shane McMahon recovered because in the next scene, he is pulling open a fucking, like, toolbox. I don't know if this was an edit, but all of a sudden it's like he smashed through the desk and they're both laying there. And then all of a sudden, Shane McMahon's like, no, trying he gets to a open very... up a toolbox. Yeah, no, he gets he gets up very quickly to get the toolbox to hit Taker with something. Okay, I thought I was like, like what the, like you're not even gonna sell that? No, he goes through two toolboxes before anything else. So he hits him in the face once, and he hits him in the face again, spilling all the contents of the toolbox out. Whoever's toolbox that was, they must have been pissed. The toolbox meant nothing though. Shane Bond then looks up, and the crowd realizes what's coming next. Shane hits Taker across the face with a TV monitor, and it wasn't the little LCD monitors. They were still the big, thick, like, metal boys. Which I was kind of surprised. I was like, really? They still hadn't gone to LCDs yet? Maybe that was just a prop. Oh, no, they showed him actually working. Oh. They actually showed Undertaker when he was cleaning him off. They had... The cameraman was standing on the other side of the desk where the announcers would be, mm. and they were in. They were in. Uh, they were in sync with the videos. So, yeah. Well, WWE is like a notoriously cheap company when it comes to things like that. So I wouldn't think so for that sort of stuff, because the announcers needed to do their job. They can't see well, everything. True. So, uh, so he hits the TV monitor. Shane then starts climbing the Hell in a Cell structure, and even JBL is yelling, it's not worth it, it's 20-something feet in the air. I wrote, why is Michael Cole so surprised, or Michael Cole and JBL so surprised? And they're like, oh my god, I can't believe Shane's going to do this. Why, it's Shane. He jumps from high things. That's his gimmick. Right. Meanwhile, Byron is dead silent. Well, he's probably tired of getting yelled at by JBL at this point in the evening. Shane jumps off. Undertaker moves. You can hear Shane's son yelling, Get up, Dad! And they also do a Shane O'Mac chant. Kind of cute. You can see the crash mat below the table. I mean, they got, I mean I'm glad. Good. Right. Let's not kill a performer. <laughs> that probably hurt. I would actually kind of wonder if that did hurt. Because really, obviously, that thing is meant to fall apart. Right. And they got the crash I'm sure mat. I'm sure... You, you're falling at a pretty good rate. Don't get me wrong. Twenty feet yeah. is twenty feet. And your but I used to I used to jump like fifteen feet out of our barn into like snowdrifts, and that never hurt. It, it didn't. Oh hell no! Cause we get these big ass snowdrifts underneath our barn because the snow would pile up after snowstorms, and we'd yeah. do like flips out of the top. Uh, back when I used to live on a farm, we used to do like flips and shit out of our barn. Uh, we just had this random old ass barn. We didn't use it. We didn't. We didn't have an active working farm. We rented out the farm space, like the fields, to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. I think my parents got like a, like just 
you know, like, hey, we'll rent it out to you for whatever per month or whatever. But we had this old random barn on our property, and we'd go up there, and, like, that was our hangout. And there would be, like, glass. Like, my parents always had, like, old clunker cars, and they'd have, like, glass, and we'd throw, like, rocks and shit at the windows and break the glass, and we'd go up there and hang out. But yeah, you break during, the glass, then start playing your electric guitar. Pretty much. Playing Metallica. Because <laughs> it was the 90s, and that's what you played. You tried yeah. to play Master of Puppets, yeah. Yes. But yeah, so when it would snow, because this is up in Minnesota, we got asked on the snow before global warming was a thing. And we could do, like, we'd jump out of it. It wouldn't hurt, so you'd start doing flips. You know, fun, stupid shit like that. Yeah. It was like 15 feet in the air. But yeah, my point being is I don't think it hurt that much. Obviously, you know, you're falling at a pretty good clip, and then you're stopping... You're still going to be like, oh, well, dang. But yeah, that was a pretty thick crash pad. So it's probably just like comfy. And Michael Cole has the worst comment here. He's like, for the love of mankind, James exploded through our table. Yes. I was like, Jesus Christ. Shut up, Michael Cole. But the match isn't over. Shane taunts the Undertaker. Undertaker taunts Shane. Undertaker taunts Shane. And then Shane Dante's taunts Undertaker again. Finally, Undertaker just drags back uh, my, uh, Shane into the ring. He tombstones him and picks up the win. At a half an hour. Oh, God. <laughs> my only notes were most boring hell in a cell ever. Yeah, you know, it's like this match more than probably It's many like after others. after like WrestleMania 30. It's like the Undertaker just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Well, that and he probably isn't I don't know if he had his surgeries yet, you know, obviously if he hadn't. Yeah. He's in severe well, pain and you know, yeah. I I get it. Like the dude's not a spring chicken anymore. Neither but is this Shane. Is like the f- but this is like the first match that felt like, eh, for the Undertaker. Like Undertaker versus Brock and Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt. Those were both matches that like these are top stars, and it's like, oh well, now Undertaker is fighting the boss's kid. Yeah, like this is yeah, and that's what weird really frustrates me is like I was thinking about this. Like, yes, you're fighting the boss's kid. Shane McMahon has had good matches. I always remember the Kurt Angle match from King mm. of the Ring 2001. But it's like, we've seen Triple H lose to The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, countless, countless great wrestlers lose to The Undertaker. But Shane fucking McMahon can go toe to toe and then some with The Undertaker. And his specialty match, Hell in a Cell. Supposedly, Vince asked Undertaker to lose this match. Who Shane? So that they could continue the storyline, and Taker was pissed that Vince would even ask. No shit. And then, the next night, Vince is like, Well, you lost, pal. I'm still giving you raw. I'm still giving you raw. Yeah. 
like, okay, you, what, why, why, why did we, why did we do everything? Why, why did that match exist? Why did the Undertaker well, probably come you know, back? Clearly, I mean, obviously. clearly this, this is a precursor to brand split 2.0. That would happen still, later on. Talk about laziness. Well, you yeah, lost. no, I, yeah, sure. Right. Have the prize. Yeah, I don't know. I just it's frustrating watching Shane, like because it's just like, like, like I said, Kurt Angle, Olympic hero, great wrestler. Ah, Shane can stay toe to toe. Well, Shane has not been crowned the best wrestler in the world yet. Yes. That's a couple of WrestleManias away. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> God. All right. So, uh, overall, did you have any thoughts on the match? I mean, it was a Undertaker slow match because that's what he like, can do. I, I feel with, with, bad. With... I feel bad being like, oh, move, lay, move, lay, move, lay, move, lay. I feel bad, well, but on the other hand, it's like, come on. But here's the thing. Like, this is the type of match that Undertaker is capable of at this moment. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that he has a substandard opponent. If he had a person who could actually work well, because if you look at all of the matches that have been really great with Shane McMahon, minus the one he had with his dad mm -hmm. at WrestleMania 17, mm -hmm. like the ones that people remember, um... X-Pac, Kurt Angle. Like, those are, like, the two big ones, right? And also it helps that X-Pac and Shane were both really... Or not X-Pac, per se, but Shane was, like, in his 20s. Yeah, but, like, those matches were done with people who are really good workers and who can carry somebody through a match. You know, the only other one that I can really think of is... Shane versus Steve Blackman at SummerSlam. Yes. But the only thing that we remember out of that him is... jumping the off the pillar. Well, him getting hit and then falling off. Yeah. And so, like, Shane has, like, these big move moments, but he's not a great So Shane wrestler. was, uh, Shane was 29 when he first, uh, did WrestleMania 15. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. Dude, he's been married to his wife since 1996. Good like, for him. Yeah. 26. Uh, yeah, he was 26. So, yeah. But that's just crazy to think. Like, man. Um, but, yeah. So, that. So yeah. 21 or 29 at WrestleMania 15. 46 at WrestleMania 32. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. No. Undertaker can still do a, a passable match. He just has to have a opponent who can work through his limitations and Shane is not a good enough wrestler to work through his limitations. So his limitations become much more glaring, which makes this match seem slow and plodding and boring. And then we have a frankly stupid bump to take mm -hmm. um, off of the hell in the cell. And then we got storyline uh, headlines that Jeff Hardy wanted to do an even bigger bump to surpass Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, but glad luckily that hasn't happened yet um so yeah i mean that's that's really it like that's those are my thoughts it's just 
it's an okay it's an okay match but there are parts of it that are really bad so yeah yeah i don't know i just thought it was boring it just like we need bells and whistles and mirrors and smoke and to hide the undertaker stuff as much as possible and shane for that matter right everyone knew he was jumping off of the something so. Well, I mean, yes, everybody knew that that was a possibility. It's still different actually seeing somebody who is closer to 50 falling off a 20-foot thing. And if Shane had not landed as flat as he did, if he had angled it at any sort of way, he could have rolled off and seriously hurt himself. Oh, yes. So, like, to be frank, it's stupid to even attempt to do something like that. Oh, I agree, yeah. Um, it just felt like they were pulling a name that people may care about mm-hmm. so that they could eke out a little bit more from The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, personally, I think Undertaker should have, like, stopped at WrestleMania 30. I agree. But, but you know, he wanted to have that last really good Yeah, he wanted his match. last hurrah and say, like, I went out on the high note. And his body wouldn't let him. Right essentially i mean i completely understand like at the end of the day you want to like go out on that top like oh i did it this is now the defining ring you know match. Yeah. you know andre the giant battle royal i didn't write down a single uh entrant except the big two ddp came out and Shaq. i didn't know Shaq had been in a wrestling match before well i mean he's been in two now i know i only knew of the aew one yeah, no, Shaq was here. He squared up with Big Show and Kane. Yeah, everybody quickly got out of the ring. Sando then jumps in, and he's eliminated by Fan. And then Fandango jumps in, and he's eliminated by Shaq. So Big Show and Shaq have both eliminated someone. They then goozle each other. Then everyone comes rushing back into the ring, and they push out both Big Show and Shaq. And then uh, Baron Corbin wins eventually. Yes, so I, this is Baron Corbin's debut on the main roster. Yes, and there was a big NXT chant. Guess what, Zach? What? WrestleMania 33 is coming back to Orlando, Florida on April 2nd, 2017. Cool. I mean, WrestleMania and Florida, like... I don't know. WWE should just like alongside just Disney there, just should just yes. should just buy the state of Florida and turn it into WWE Disneyland. Yes, and then and then like we can detach it from the United States and not have to worry about it anymore. Hell yeah! Um, but yeah. So, I skipped most of this because it's The Rock. All I know, because I remember watching this live. This is like the one thing I saw live when I watched mm. WrestleMania. So. A little bit of backstory. I was traveling for work on the day of WrestleMania 32. But I knew I was going to get some time to myself because I I was just traveling. It was a travel day. It wasn't a work day. Uh, I was there to get ready for that Monday. And so I brought my Roku with and signed into the WWE Network. And... Yeah, I watched the Rock segment, and he came out with a blowtorch or a flamethrower, and he 
a flamethrower. <laughs> he he read, lit his name on fire, and he walked around for forty five minutes and waited for everyone to chant, and then he talked for another hour, and then the Wyatt family came out, and then they tease a match, and then somehow Eric Rowan has a match, and it lasts six minutes, six seconds, after a rock bottom and a people's elbow. So when did I miss anything? About... No, you didn't. Like that's essentially what happens. That's Brock all from is... memory. Yeah, no. Rock essentially is like exuding oh, pure fast cocaine. Uh, yeah, but he's exuding pure cocaine energy. Like I don't know what <laughs> what he was on, but he comes out, lights his name on fire, goes yeah as he's doing it, and then like. Um, and then does all of his stuff and announces the attendance for this WrestleMania, which uh, Rock announced that there was 101,763 people at the stadium, um, which is actually... Uh, the Wrestling Observer said that there was 97,000 people there. God damn it. You know what pisses me off? Is what? Even Google... I typed in WrestleMania 32 real attendance. Yes. And fucking Google comes up with 1,101,763. Yes. And it's even from the Miami Herald of all places. Yes. But because they are a publicly traded company, they have to legitimately say in their stock statements. Um, but according to... Uh, this is March 16th, 2017... So a year later, yeah, they said this is from uh, still real to us. I, I have no fucking clue what this website is. Seventy-three thousand one eleven to eighty-five thousand eight hundred eighty-eight. So the, that's even less than what Dave reported. Vince McMahon said that the hundred one thousand seven sixty-three number includes Usher and ticket takers and all of that. The last July WWE public release documents revealing paid attendance for somewhere between 7,300 and 85,000. Or 73,000. So, yeah. but yeah, brought in $17.3 million worth of ticket sales and was the biggest gate in professional wrestling history. And it still is. Um, but yeah. So, I think it's bullshit, though. Oh, it includes the ticket takers and the ushers. No, they're there to have to watch the damn show. They're there to fucking work. Yeah, it's like... You don't see the security guards, like, watching the show and right, cheering. Right, no. Vince is, Vince is like, all right, go to the back and count all the people selling the hot dogs and the sodas and whatever, too. Yes. We need those numbers. You know, that's like people who work at the stadium aren't part of your attendance Vince you know the only other thing you that you didn't mention about this rock statement is that uh, John Cena came out afterwards and uh. rock and Cena ended like ended up teaming up and it was they're friends now maybe rock was crushing fruity pebbles before he came out yeah I don't know got that big fruity pebble energy So, all that happened. I'm like, all right, main event time. And my show cut off. Literally, <laughs> it ended with a Camp WWE promo 
saying, Coming May 1st, an adult cartoon from from the people who made uh, Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken. And then it was like, whoop, done. I was like, oh, man, really? So I never got a chance to watch the main event. So, Zach, I'm counting on you. Okay. How, well, what was the story? What was going on? All I saw was Triple H's promo. All right. So, essentially, or the not promo, story. Intro. Yeah. So, essentially, the um, story behind this match is that Roman Reigns is sick of the authority, and the authority is sick of Roman Reigns, and they just can't stand each other. And Roman Reigns has finally climbed that mountain. He is he was WWE champion. He had beaten Dean Ambrose at Survivor Series, and then uh, Sheamus beat him, cashing in money in the bank. But then he beat Sheamus again, so he's a two-time WWE champion, and he's just sick of these authority figures causing trouble and making the show bad and then they said all right smart guy you're going to have to put your wwe championship up in the royal rumble the first time that this has ever happened like the wwe championship has been up for grab in the royal rumble but there's never been a champion to defend it during it and he had to come out first and the royal rumble was a complete mess in terms of booking um Essentially, um, during the match, Roman Reigns like seemingly got really tired or something, and uh, he was sent to the back at one point for like half an hour, and then came back to finish the match, and he ended up losing to the last person out, number 30, Triple H. Triple H is now your WWE champion. Triple H now a 14-time world champion fighting against Roman Reigns, who won, I, I think, at Elimination Chamber or whatever the pay-per-view was, the opportunity to face Triple H at the grand stage of the mall or whatever they say. Um, match itself uh, is your average Triple H match at this point. He's doing a lot of... Uh, punching in... A lot of punching, kicking, doing his, you know, his, his spots, like the spine buster. And Roman Reigns is doing his uh, Samoan drops, like anything that can be done. Triple H goes for the pedigree a whole bunch. Um, Stephanie ends up getting involved and um, distracting the referee. And uh, Reigns ends up spearing Stephanie. And that's the catharsis that we get from having to listen to Stephanie yell at us and call us stupid and all the other wrestlers stupid throughout the year. Um, Reigns hits a Superman punch and then uh, dodges a sledgehammer shot to hit a spear to win at 27 minutes. All right. And he, he is now your WWE champion for the third time. So, did they have, like, a recap video or anything? Are those still, I don't think they're a thing anymore. There there was a recap, but I didn't take notes on it. Oh, it, no, of course it, not. That, I never do. The, uh, 
the um you know essentially the story was what i was saying you know but yeah um Triple H and Roman Reigns did not seem to connect very well in the ring. Like there just seemed to be a lot of miscommunications mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And it like at the time there was like some discourse around like Triple H wants Roman Reigns to work to be the man, and he doesn't respect him like he respects. Like uh, Dean Ambrose had a WWE Championship shot at a live event that happened right before I think it was called Roadblock. And it was a really, really good match between them for the WWE Championship. Um, and so a lot of fans were comparing the two matches, even though Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns are at vastly different experience levels at this t- point in time. You know, it's just, I don't know. So overall, what did you think of the match? What would you... What would uh, you... Uh, I... was, it, was it effective? Like I think the goal was to make Roman Reigns over, and it did not do that. <laughs> um, Roman Reigns ended up winning, and there was a whole bunch of boos. Like the crowd was unhappy, even though the babyface had conquered the two villains. It just it it was a okay match. It did not get the reception that they were hoping for. So overall, what do you think of this WrestleMania? Uh, I think it is a WrestleMania that is at once very, very long, but none of the matches had, with the exception of the last two, had a ton of time to work. Mm-hmm. Like, everything was under 20 minutes for the most part, except for the last two matches. And so that was kind of disappointing. You think when you get to... WrestleMania, you're going to blow off all these storylines, and really, for the most part, besides the last two matches, it felt like things were starting or just heating up. So, yeah. So, what I just realized, too, there was no backstage segments. There was nothing. Like, other than the Mick Foley and Rock and, and that sort of stuff, like, there was nobody. No, there was no backstage segments. It was match, 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 match. Um, there wasn't even that much in the way of video. There was like only like three video promos. No, this is like the first WrestleMania that really felt like it was like chalked, like every single second was chalked full of matches. And as we're going to talk about after this WrestleMania, they start getting longer. <laughs> Oh god. In terms of length. The next one is five hours. Right. This was four. At least what I watched. So it sounds like this was four and a half. Yeah, it was four and a half, which was like probably the longest WrestleMania, but it was like the our usual WrestleMania up until this point has been about four hours. And so an extra half an hour for the main event really doesn't feel like it's tacking on a whole lot. But starting with WrestleMania thirty three it just keeps growing and growing until it's like a six-hour show. And then there's two six-hour shows, and it's like they want to turn... Like, soon it's just going to be like WrestleMania is all is something that happens all year long, you know? Oh. 
Yeah. Overall, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not watching the Raws and Smackdowns and stuff leading up to this. I I just don't have time. I I just and we'd we'd be we'd be doing these a lot slower if we did or had to. Yeah. I just felt like I don't know. Like there, like I said, my favorite match was the tag match. Like I felt like they did a bad job of like explaining why anyone's fighting. I mean, the only promos I think would have been probably. I know the women's match. Oh, excuse me. God dang it. The women's match. Women's match. Undertaker versus Shane. Yep. And then and, the main and event. The main, and the main event. Yeah. Like everything else, you're just kind of like. It's just Michael Cole and, and JBL. Like, oh, they. Something happened on uh, Raw. They didn't like it. Now they're fighting. But, and then, you know, as far as like other like belts, like we have the world title on the line. The tag team titles aren't on the line. The Intercontinental Championship was, but the United States Championship wasn't. Um, There was a woman's title thing. But, like, it just seems like WWE wasn't utilizing all of their bits and pieces, necessarily. Yeah, I just felt like the older WrestleManias, they did at least every match was explained, and you didn't have to watch the TV and be expected to, uh, you know, watch week to week. Right. You could just watch I'm... it and be like, hey, oh, that's what's... Oh, okay, now I see why they're fighting. You know, it was around this time that I think that the three-hour Raws and the two-hour Smackdowns really started to fatigue the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I thought this WrestleMania was, eh... Definitely not remember, not memorable by any means. Just kind of not there. I think the most memorable thing is the. I mean, we always see it. Is the Shane McMahon spot? Yeah, I mean, they don't talk about this title reign for Roman or anything nope. along those lines. Nope. Um, they don't really talk about the women's revolution anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. And, and, you know, this is the other thing, like, even with uh, the accounting for inflation of the whatever Vince does, this is like the best selling WrestleMania ever. And it's like not like it's not really remembered. Yeah. So, yeah, I hear you. So what did Dave Meltzer have to think about these matches? Mr. Meltzer, let me find out. Because I didn't prepare like a good boy. But I will find out in uno momento. All right. Mr. Meltzer. Oh, you. You? You know, the match we didn't watch. What? There's actually a couple matches we didn't watch. Well, we didn't watch oh, any wow. of the pre-shows. Though. Quite a few. Oh, wow. There was three pre-show matches. Mm. Callisto versus Ryback for the U.S. title. Uh, Alicia Fox, Brie Bella, Eva Marie, Natalia, and Paige versus Emma, Lana, Naomi, Summer Rae, and Tamina. 
and Jay Uso and the Usos versus the Dullies. I didn't realize the Dullies were back. Yes, they had come back for like a nostalgia run for like a year. And to sell their Blu-ray, because the Blu-ray was uh, uh, one of the advertisements I had. Mm. Straight out of Dullyville. All right. Well, Devon still works for the Fed. He does. He's a producer. All righty then. I see title match. Four and a quarter stars. I think that's fair. Jericho versus AJ Styles. Three and three quarters. Uh, that's probably generous. Uh, the tag match. Two and a half. <laughs> okay. Brock and Ambrose. Three a and dud. a quarter. No way. Yeah. No. Uh, the women's championship match. Four stars. Okay. Undertaker versus Shane McMahon. Two and a half stars. Come on, Dave. What are you thinking? The Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Royal Battle. 1.5 stars. Okay. I mean, that's a, it's a battle royal, you know. Roman versus Triple H. Three and a quarter stars. Uh... That match is really boring. I disagree. Ah, well, there you go. All right. So, is there anything else you would like to discuss or anything of that nature before we wrap it up? I think we've got all of WrestleMania 32 wrapped up. Are you looking forward to WrestleMania 33? And it's five-hour runtime? Oh, God. Sure. Kill me. Why not? All right. I remember 33 being a better show than 32. Was 33 the one with the roller coaster? Uh, yes. That I is my so. favorite ever WrestleMania entrance set. The roller coaster theme. Because it's Orlando. All the rides. Yes. Okay. Well, we've basically almost uh, ran as long as the show. So, <laughs> we'll wrap it up here. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe. Take care. <laughs>